0: It's good to have Kelly Ross visiting with us today. <laughs> kind of went to shit backslidden and gone to another church, but she's didn't. She's here. Hooray. All is right in our world again at our house. Today we're going to look in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30 is where we're going to be in a little bit. We're going to talk today about the idea of choices. Right, and we make choices every day. Now, some choices really don't matter all that much. This morning I chose what to eat for breakfast. I chose what clothes to wear, which tie to put on. And and none of those are really significant or life-changing decisions. Other choices, they are significant and they can have long-term effects on life. Do I go to college? And if so, where? What career do I choose? Who will I marry? Where will I live? These these are life-changing choices. But then... Even beyond that, there are choices that we make that matter for eternity. The big one being, what will we do with Jesus Christ? Right? That choice determines how we live our lives right now and where we will spend eternity. In our text this morning, Moses calls on the people to make that kind of a life-altering, eternity-settling choice. Open your Bible to Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. It's where we're going to start. That's page 162 in your pew Bibles. And when you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Deuteronomy 30 and 11, Moses says, For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, "Who will ascend to heaven and bring it, bring, and send to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it." Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, "Who will go over the sea and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it." But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in all His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your hearts turn away so that you do not hear, and are drawn away, and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you dwell in the land which the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, the, which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, to give them. The title of the message this morning is, The Choice Set Before Us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We come, Lord, with a desire to meet with you, to hear from your word, to know that, Lord, that we have met with you, that your word is speaking into our hearts. Lord, we bow Before you today and and Lord before you speak we surrender. We surrender our minds to, to just receive what you have. We surrender our ears to hear what you have for us. We surrender our hearts to fully embrace what your word says. Help us today God that we would examine our lives. And the choice that we have made regarding life and death. Regarding Jesus Father. Lord if there are people today that are here that have never Turn from their sin and never embrace Jesus as their Savior. Lord, you make that very clear today. Holy Spirit, come and just take the word and speak it to hearts and minds and, and, and use it to break down strongholds that, that have been erected to keep people from Jesus Christ. Lord, so every thought can be brought captive, the obedience of Christ. Holy Spirit, use the word like a light today. To dispel darkness in minds. That that we could see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, today that we would feel the weight of this passage. And we would feel the weight of your word. And that we would see how serious and how urgent it is for us to make the choice to choose Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. And help me not to be a hindrance in any way today. To what you want said or what you want done. Have your way in our hearts our lives. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Now, around 40 years before this passage, Moses had led God's people out of slavery to Egypt toward the edge of the promised land. At that time, the, the Israelites rejected God's promise and they refused to take possession of the land. Their rebellion and their disobedience led to an entire generation of rebellious adults to wander in the wilderness till they died. After all had died except for Moses, Joshua, and Caleb, they were led back up to the edge of the promised land again. Moses is near the end of his life. He is about to pass the, the torch of leadership on to Joshua, and then he is going to die. So he uses his last moment, his last time to give final instruction to the people that he has led for many, many years. And really, all he's basically doing is restating to them the law that God had given and that they had agreed to, that they had made a covenant with God, that they would live according to God's way. And he is reminding them of this and calling on them to be faithful. Because time was short for him, and they were about to enter the promised land, there was not time for small talk or chit-chat. Moses used the precious little time that he has... To point them to the things that mattered most. And as He neared the end of that message. He reminds them that they have a choice to make. That He is setting before them the way of life. The way of death. The way that is good. And the way that is evil. And then they will have a choice to make. They will have to choose. Will they choose life and follow God? Or will they choose death by ignoring God. The choice that Moses gave to the people then is basically the choice that we have today. Just as it was in Moses' day, it is a life-altering, eternity-deciding choice. It is a choice between life and death, between good and evil. And it is a choice that we will make. I mean, when you look at what Moses says... He doesn't offer a third choice. They can choose life or they can choose death. But there's not an in-between. They don't get to to not choose and and look at each one and determine which one it's going to be. They must choose one or the other. And that's the way it is with us as well. So the the key thought for today is that I will choose life or death. Every one of us in here. We will choose. And the choice we make, it will be a choice of life or it will be a choice of death. For these are the only choices there are. Today I'm going to show you three truths about the choice that we all have to make. And then I'm going to urge you to choose life by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Truth number one about the choice we have to make so that the message is understandable. Moses starts in verse 11 by saying, this command, commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it too far off. See, the choice they're making about life and death, it's based upon the message Moses has been preaching. Right? And what Moses wants them to understand in verses 11 through 14 is they understand the message, right? That this message is something That they already understand. For them, they had heard the message all of their lives. This is the generation that grew up wandering in the wilderness all of their lives. They had heard this message repeated for the last 40 years. They understood the choices. They understood what was at stake. They understood everything they need to understand about the message. And so they must choose. In verses 11 through 14, he, he assures them in a variety of ways that they can understand the message and that they have everything they need to make the right choice. In verse 11, he says, The commandment that I, which I give you today, it's not too mysterious, nor it's too, nor is it too far off. Right? And he's saying, it's not too hard for you to understand. Right, It's not too high mountain that you can't comprehend it. You you understand the message. It's clear in your mind. He says in verse 12, it's not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Right? He says the message has already been given. You've already heard it. There's There's no new revelation that you need in order to make this choice today. Right. You don't need to to wait for a prophet to come along and say, well, what about this? Or thus says the Lord, you have the message. It's already right here. He says in verse 13, nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But right? the message was right there with them. They didn't need to travel across the sea to a far off seminary and and learn again from someone else about it. It was there. It was where they were in that spot in their lives. And then in verse 14, he says, But it is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. It was right there among them. they'd heard it all of their lives over and over and over again. The message from God that their choice is based upon, he says, is completely understandable. It is common in our day for people to say that they don't, maybe they don't understand a passage of scripture. To use that as a reason for not choosing Jesus. I don't understand this passage of scripture. Or it's common for people to say, well, well, I don't understand why why this thing happened in my life. Or why this circumstance happened in the life of someone else I love. And I can't choose Jesus until I understand that. And I'll be the first to admit, there are parts of Scripture that are indeed mysteries to me. That I may have an idea of what they mean, but I surely would not be dogmatic about it. And then there are some that, honestly, I read them and I just think, hmm, I have no idea what that would mean for my life today. And there are there are circumstances that have come into my life that have happened in our family and people that I know and I love and and I wonder why. And I have absolutely no Satisfactory answers. I just don't have the answers. But here's the thing. The passages of Scripture that I don't understand, that maybe you don't understand. They are inspired by God. They are are important. They do have some meaning for us. But they aren't the main message of Scripture. And while there are circumstances that come into my life and have likely come into yours or someone that you love that we don't understand and they're real and they're problematic and we don't understand them, the reality is they aren't the main issue that we have to nail down. Right? The primary message of scripture and the main issue that we all have to nail down is Jesus. What? Am I going to do with Jesus? That is what matters most. This is the most important message of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the main message of Scripture. That's the primary issue that we have to nail down. It's been said that the the gospel message, the message of Jesus, is so simple that a child can understand it, and yet it's so complex that theologians spend their lives studying it. But there are main elements of the message, again, that are clear and understandable. God loves you. Right, for God so loved the world. It's the first element of the message that we see. God loves us. God's love for us is one of the primary motivators behind all that He does in us and through us and for us. Right, God's love is a, a primary truth of Scripture. Right, secondly is that, that Jesus Died for you. God's love for us is not made up of words, but it's made up of deeds. God demonstrated His love by sending Jesus to die in our place. Jesus had to die in our place because we've all sinned. Fallen short of God's glorious standard. And that sin has separated us from God. And that sin has, has earned us a wage of death. Not physical death or spiritual death, but but eternal death. And God loves us. And God wants more for all of us than for us to live separated from Him in this life. And then to, to go into eternity and face the second death and the wages of our sin. What He wants is to adopt us as His children. He wants to end the separation between us and Him. He wants to give us life where death once reigned. And so in His love, He sent His Son to come and die in our place to pay the penalty that our sins had earned so that we could have the life that Jesus wants to give us. But we also see that we must choose Jesus. For God so loved that He gave that whoever believes in Him should not perish. Jesus said that those who believe should not perish. Those who believe. That's a choice that we make. Because we're not naturally believing people. We don't naturally believe in Jesus and trust in Him for our salvation. There has to come a day where we we make a choice, where we say, I'm I'm not going to be unbelieving, but I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust that what Jesus did, He did for me. And I'm going to trust that because of what Jesus did, my sins can be forgiven. I'm going to trust that what Jesus did is the only hope that I have. right it is a choice to turn from sin to Jesus, from unbelief to belief. It is something that I must do, that you... Must do. And then the last thing about it. Is that this is the most important message. Not that we should not perish. Right? For, for God didn't send his son to the world. To condemn the world. But the world through him might be saved. And those who, who believe. Well they are not condemned. But those who do not believe. Are condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name. The only begotten son of God. Everything rises and falls on what we do with Jesus. That is the most important message of scripture. What if I don't understand the bowls of judgment? Okay? But what are you going to do with Jesus? What if I don't understand the why of this circumstance that came into my life? That's a real question. What are you going to do with Jesus? What happens to the people in Africa who never hear about Jesus? What are you going to do about Jesus? Now this isn't to say that those questions aren't real. And the issues aren't important because they are. It is to say That eternity does not hang in the balance for us on how we answer those questions. It hangs in the balance on what we do with Jesus. We can be wrong about the bowls of judgment from Revelation. And if you listen to many preachers, it's all the different ideas that there are. Surely, lots of people are wrong about it. And still go to heaven. But if you're wrong about Jesus... You miss everything. You can be wrong about the why of a circumstance that came into your life or the life of a loved one. You can have no idea why something like that would happen. And you can still go to heaven. But if you're wrong about Jesus, you miss out on everything. You can be wrong about what happens to those in far reaches of the jungles that never hear the gospel and you can still go to heaven but if you are wrong about Jesus for yourself and your life and ultimately it doesn't matter what happened to the people in Africa for you have missed out on everything yourself you have chosen death and you will face the wages of your sin there will always be things we don't understand There will always be passages we can't explain. There will always be questions that we have. There will always be circumstances that don't make sense to us. They're they're just will. And I think I think that makes sense. Because just think about think about in, in the human world. Think about your spouse. How long have you been married? Do you understand everything that they do? Do you understand everything about them? Think about your children. You've known them since they were born. Do they always make sense to you? You've seen virtually everything that's happened in their lives. Do they always make sense to you? You, you, Those of you that are teachers... Going back in just a few days. Woohoo. How many classes of children have run through your classroom? How many hundreds of kids have you taught? Do you always understand everything the kids in your classroom do? If we can't understand children and our spouses that are like us, how in the world can we understand a great and an awesome God that is other than us? We are never going to fully comprehend God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. Do not miss Jesus Because of something over here that while important and while significant is not eternally important and eternally significant. My friend, the message of Jesus is the most important message. And it is understandable. God loves you. Jesus died for you. You must choose Jesus. Everything rises and falls on that. Do not make some secondary issue the primary issue and miss heaven and Jesus and eternity over them. Get Jesus right first and then wonder about the others and then seek answers to the others. The choice you have to make, you will choose heaven or you will choose hell, you will choose life or you will choose death. And the message that you must choose is easy to understand. So the message is understandable. And then, secondly, the choices are clearly defined. Moses explained to the people that the choices that are laid before them and the consequences for each choice are clearly defined. I have set before you, he says in verse 15. Life and good, death and evil. Right? Life and death, good and evil. Those are the choices. There are consequences laid out for each one. Very clearly. So they're not making a choice they don't understand. They're not making a choice based on a message they don't understand. They're not understanding what they're choosing by making each choice. What are the choices? Well, what the choices for them are the choices for us. There is the choice of life. I command you today to love the Lord your God. In verse 16, to walk in His ways, keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply. The Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go in to possess. It says in verse 20, that you cling to Him, for He is your life, the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord your God... The the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, Jacob, to give them. God promised to give the Israelites the land they were about to enter. This meant a lot of things. It meant He would take care of their enemies. He would fight their battles. And if they chose life, God would bless them. He would make sure that their life in the land was... Really pretty wonderful when you read about what Scripture says. They would make sure that they grew. He would make sure they multiplied and became a great nation. It would mean that God dwelt in the presence in the midst of their nation. And they would choose life really by choosing to follow God's law, by choosing to love God, to walk in His ways. But that was the choice of life. Choose The law, choose to keep the commitment that we have made and choose to love God. And these are all the blessings God will pour out on your life. Now we aren't the nation of Israel. So choosing life means something a bit different for us today. And the results are a bit different. But it's still that same basic choice. To choose life, well, we choose Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. So again, it goes back to choosing Jesus. We, we cannot choose life without choosing Jesus. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father without choosing Him. That, that's, that's clearly defined. That it's easy to understand. And there are consequences. There are things that happen in our life as we choose Jesus. And there are so many we don't have time to cover, but three quickly. One, there is forgiveness. It says in the book of Acts that, Let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all the things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. That right? forgiveness of sins is found in Jesus alone. Now the idea that it can't be found in the law of Moses is significant. right? Because what that means is, that for the Israelites that he was talking to, that they could not keep the law well enough, and that included make sacrifices well enough to atone for their sins, to take them away. Now, what that means for us is we cannot do enough good deeds to roll back our sins. Right At the end of time, God is not going to look and to say, well, you did 10 million good things and 8 million bad things. Wow, you made it. You, you cause forgiveness for your sins. That's not how it works. There is no forgiveness in the works of the law. There is no forgiveness in morality and trying to do good things. There is only forgiveness in Christ. But in Christ, when we are forgiven, God considers us to be righteous. We have the righteousness of Christ in us. In Christ, when we are forgiven, we are freed from condemnation. There is no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. And in Christ, when we are forgiven, we are brought into a right relationship with God. We are reconciled to God through Christ. And now we can know Him and love Him and experience His grace, His goodness, and His blessings in our lives. There's also peace when we come to Christ. We choose life. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This world is almost geared to steal peace. If you watch the news, and I won't chase this rabbit trail much. But if you watch the news, it doesn't matter which station you watch, which which side of the political aisle, you watch the, the news. It's all geared to do one thing, isn't it? It's geared to steal your peace. It's geared to make you angry. It's geared to upset you, to make you afraid. Oh, my gosh. This politician has done that. End of the world. Economy collapsed. Overrun. We're going to die. Probably. Right. Oh, and so. All news is trying to make us terrified and afraid and keep us up at night. And we we better support this politician and we better vote for that party or it's the end of the world as we know it. And that's all it's ever going to do. I mean, it's done this for years, but now it's on 24 hours a day and on every social media outlet that you can find. And so constantly we're barraged with messages that are geared, intentionally geared to steal our peace. how do we overcome that? You don't overcome it by watching the other news cycle or the other news agency, right? Because they're just going to irritate you in a whole different way. You don't overcome it by turning the news off and not watching it because then you're worried about what's going on. Right? the only way to keep all of that from stealing your peace, it isn't by buying in and doing what they say. It's by coming to Jesus and getting His peace. A peace, not that the world gives us. A peace that can keep our hearts from being troubled and keep us from being afraid. That peace is only found in Christ. It's a peace that no matter what the news says, won't keep us up tonight when we go to bed. It's not going to cause us to be angry at our fellow man. Just going to go, hmm, well, we'll see. And we can move on. There is a peace that is greater than anything the world can give. And it's only found when we choose life, and we choose Jesus. And then there's purpose. That we are His workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Choosing life. In Christ, it means never having to wonder what on earth you are here for. It means you don't have to guess what the meaning for your life is. You were saved for a God-ordained purpose. And God will show you and guide you and lead you on that purpose. I don't know how you feel about that. For me, learning that was a life-giving truth. I've mentioned before, I came from a, a small town. I lived in Pickett Center. Right? It was called Pickett Center because Pickett was on one side of us and Center was on the other, and we were where the two towns touched together. It was Pickett Center. The only thing in Pickett Center that was even remotely interesting, was we had a guy that was a big hunter and fisherman, and he liked to go catfishing. And he would get his catfish, and when they were big, somebody remember know what you do when you're, when you're a country person and you have catfish heads? You put them on the fence post. So there was a mile and a half of fence posts with fish heads in various stages of decay. That's the only thing in Pickett Center, Oklahoma, that was interesting. I mean, there's just nothing there. So to realize I had a God-given purpose that God, God, Looked down in Pickett Center, Oklahoma, and saw me. Said, "I have something I want that boy to do." I mean, that was that was significant. That was life giving to me. There is something that the God of Heaven created you to do, saved you to do. How how awesome is that? That we find this purpose, and we'll never find the purpose apart from choosing Jesus. We'll always fall just shy God's purpose for our lives all this and and, and much more it's ours when we choose life in Christ so while there is the choice of life though there is also the choice of death set before you today life and good death and evil Moses not only wanted them to understand how great the choice of life was but how awful The choice of death was. And he wanted to be perfectly clear that when he called it the choice of death, he wasn't being dramatic. wasn't clickbait. It really was a choice of death. The consequences that this choice brought into their lives would be so severe, it literally ended in death. They would be conquered. They would not prolong their lands, their days in the land. Their crops would fail. They would be conquered. They would be taken away from their land and taken to a land that was not their own. Other places it speaks that they would end up being forced to serve gods that were not their own. These were the consequences. Of the choice of death. But what I thought was most interesting, and we'll get to the consequences, the choice of death in our life. But what I found most interesting was verse 17. The steps to the choice of death. I, I, I don't guess I had ever seen that until I was studying for this. What would lead them? Right? I mean, they had experienced God's choice, God's life before. They had seen manna fall from the sky. They had seen... God do miraculous things. They knew the greatness and the goodness and the power of their God. What on earth would possibly cause them to choose anything else? Well, notice the steps. 17, I'll read the whole thing and then we'll come back and look at it in parts. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, that leads to perishing and not prolonging your days. The steps to death starts with the heart. The heart turning away from God. And hearts turn away from God when anything is more important than God. And anything really could be anything. It could be pleasure. Right? The heart that is turned away from God to pleasure is seen When this pleasure is something I'm going to do no matter what. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what others think. This pleases me. And so I'm going to do it. It could be a relationship. And it could be a relationship that's not necessarily inherently sinful. It's just one that keeps me from my service and my devotion to God. And what happens is I become so attached to this relationship that nothing, not even God, will come before it. My heart could turn away from God toward a job or pursuit of success. Achieving worldly success can become the driving force in our lives. And we would say, well, well, I'm not really abandoning God. I'm just putting devotion and service to Him on the back burner until I arrive And, and once I... I achieve this success, then I'll come back. could be self. I think self is likely the biggest culprit of turning hearts away from God. All of the others, in fact, I think would probably fall under self, be rooted in self. Self draws my heart away from God when I'm going to do what I want to do, no matter what. My will, my want, my desire. When that takes precedent over what God has said, what God wants, what God desires, self is drawing my heart away from God. But once the heart is is drawn away, then you do not hear. The ear stops hearing. Once the heart has decided it's going to do what it wants to do, the ear stops listening to anything that contradicts that desire. You see this all the time. Pick any of the examples I just gave. Find someone following at their hearts, turning them away. Show them what Scripture says. And they'll respond by saying, but you don't understand. Well, But, but I feel. But I, I read something that, that said that's really not what the Bible meant. Well, I, I just don't believe the way that you believe. Who are you to judge me? All of those things, the responses that show an ear that has stopped hearing, because the heart has turned away from God. And then, once the heart turns away that you do not hear, you are drawn away. In their case, worship other gods and serve them. The actions of the life follow. The life demonstrates what's going on in the heart. Always. Always, you could say that the life demonstrates often what the word, what the mouth will not say. Not many people will say that they have turned away from God, they rejected listening to His word, that they have chosen death rather than life. But their life, their their life will declare. What their mouth will never say. Someone ignores what God's word says. About something they're doing. Make no mistake. They have chosen the way of death. Their hearts are turned away. They're refusing to listen. And their lives are following. The life. Demonstrates what's going on in the heart, always. And just as there are lots of great promises for those who choose life, there is a certain promise for those who choose death. And something that's hard hard to grasp, hard to accept, is that the promises for choosing death are every bit as certain the promises for choosing life. You see this in the Israelite nation. When they chose life, they did thrive. All the things that God said would happen, did happen. And when they chose death, all the things that God said would happen, would happen. There is a judgment to come. And those who reject life and Christ, will face it. I mean, that's certain. It is guaranteed. It is every bit as certain as the fact that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those are equally promises of God. Equally true. Now Moses is kind of awesome because he knows how people are. He's led this nation for a long time. And he knew that there would be some that would listen to him and would say, yeah, yeah, you people, that's for sure. But me, me and God, we have our own special deal going. You just don't understand. I'll be the exception to this rule. And he addressed that earlier. Turn back to Deuteronomy 29, verse 18. Look at what he says. So that there may not be among you a man or a woman, a family or a tribe whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations. There may, that there may not be among you a root of, a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. And so it may not happen that when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my heart. As though the drunkard could be included with the sober. The Lord would not spare him. For the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against the man. And every curse that is written in the book would settle on him. And the Lord would blot his name out from under heaven. And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity. According to all the curses of the covenant which are written in this book of the law. Essentially what Moses says is. Don't think you'll be the exception. Because you won't. Everyone chooses, and we choose life or we choose death. And if we choose death, we get all of the things that go along with that, and we will not be the exception for any reason. The message is understandable, the choices are clearly defined. God wants you to choose life. Moses writes, Call heaven and earth to witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Choose life. That's God's desire. God did not draw them out of Egypt, protect them and provide for them all this time, Only to get them up to the edge of the promised land. Turn them loose and go, I hope they fail. So I can pour out judgment and condemnation upon them. God chose them and He called them and He led them and He protected them and He provided for them. Because He wanted to bless them. He wanted to show His greatness on their behalf. He wanted them to choose life. And God just as passionately wants us to choose life. Today, I mean, when we look at the cross and what Jesus endured, does it make sense that God would send Jesus to suffer all of that on our behalf just to secretly hope we would not choose Jesus and be saved? What a horrific thought that would be. God's desire, it is that we would choose life. And, and I can show you from Scripture That you're alive today because God wants to give you another chance to choose life. Peter writes the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter's writing about Jesus' return, the judgment that comes. He makes several points. One is that judgment is coming. But for now, Jesus delays that return. And that delay is intentional. It's not accidental. His delay is an expression of His desire for people to choose life. See, when Jesus returns or He calls us home, it's over. I mean, once the eastern sky splits, eternal destinies are set at that point. There is no turning back. There is no changing our minds. Once we, we die, eternal destinies are set. There, there is no changing our mind. There are no second chances after the return of Christ, after death. We have time in this life to choose life, to choose Jesus. And so Jesus delays so that every new day is an opportunity for someone who is choosing death to choose life. To turn from their sins and live. He's doing that because Peter says he is long-suffering toward us. He's patient. Doesn't fly off the handle and bring the hammer down. You know, to hear the world tell it, our God is just angry, looking for a reason, ready to, to smite us. At the least provocation, harsh, judgmental, angry. And yet if that were the case, God would smite us. He would judge us the moment that we sinned. He would call us to account immediately that He's long-suffering toward us and He doesn't. And so He gives us day after day, time after time to turn from sin to choose Jesus. If you've never trusted in Jesus for your salvation, I can say with absolute certainty that God gave you this day to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus and be saved. Every day that God gives you, it is God saying, "Today is another day. Choose life on this day." God's desire is that we would all choose life. But it is our choice to make. And whatever choice is made, you will be the one to make it. Something that I think is so hard for our blame culture is that you and I, We are completely accountable, responsible for our choice. Whatever choice is made, whatever choice you make, you'll make it. Whatever choice I make, I'll make it. And we will be accountable for our choices individually. The choice is made intentionally. Not accidentally. No one is ever accidentally saved. No one kind of falls into salvation. It requires a legitimate choice to turn from one way of life to another. From unbelief to belief. From sin to Christ. It is a willful, intentional choice that, that we all have to make. And the final truth with this, it is that not to choose life through Christ, that is to choose death. Because those are the only two choices there are. Scripture always brings us to the place where we have to make a decision. Will we believe it and follow it, or will we not believe it and reject it? This morning, if you do not choose Jesus, you are actively choosing death. And I don't want to sound harsh, and I'm not trying to be scary. I'm just trying to lay things out as clearly as I can. Most of my life as a kid... I grew up in church. We never didn't go to church. And I never chose Jesus until I was 19. But I never would have considered myself to have chosen rejecting Him, to have chosen death rather than life. I just thought I was choosing to put it off till later. I always had in mind I would choose Jesus. But there were things I wanted to do. I was pretty sure once you chose Jesus, you weren't going to get to do those sort of things. So I was trying to walk in the middle. Not choose Jesus, but not choose death. And what I realized, what Scripture teaches is, that third choice does not exist. Today, you either choose Jesus, or you choose death. Those are the only options there are. You will choose life or death. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. We're going to take time to pray and respond to what God has said to us from His Word this morning. And in this time, you do have a choice to make. You can choose to turn your heart away, you can choose to ignore what Scripture says. Or you can choose to surrender your life to Jesus. Like Moses, I am pleading with you to choose life that you may live. To choose life, just pray. Call out to the Lord. Say, I choose life through Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I surrender my life to Jesus and I receive Him as my Savior and Lord. We're going to take some time and just in the silence, if you have never chosen Jesus, make that decision today. Choose life.